So we're coming to the word today. And as we come to the word of the Lord, which is going to be mainly focused in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, I want to bring your focus back onto love, but particularly the patience of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. The, the God kind of love is a love that doesn't give up, that doesn't hold grudges. Oh, yeah, that's right. If you're holding grudges, you can't hold on to love. If you want to lay hold of love and let love lay hold of you, and who doesn't want that? Then you've got to let go of grudges. You've got to get rid of unforgiveness if you are going to receive and give the kind of love that God wants to give. And that kind of love, patient love, kind love, persistent love, powerful, perceptive, persevering love, there's nothing greater in all creation. Nothing more powerful, nothing richer or more valuable. It's all about love when we're talking about God love. And in fact, any love that isn't God love isn't love at all. But anything that is of God, it will be of love and it will show love and it will be patient and persistent and powerful. Let's turn to the word. Lord, as we open your scriptures today, we ask that you would open our hearts to you. We do need love. We need your love, and you've given it to us. We want to show love and receive love according to your ways, your wisdom, Lord, your patience. There are things that we carry as burdens, grudges, unforgiveness. There may be places where we are damaged, injured, in need of forgiveness, and we don't feel that we've received it. I ask, Lord, that as we read your word today, we receive wisdom from you about how to really live and operate according to your patient, kind, everlasting love, and that all your purposes would be fulfilled in and through us. I ask that you would grace my words, and you would anoint this message for your intended purposes in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm a fan of the dearly departed pastor and writer Eugene Peterson. I think he had wonderful insights. He wrote a book called Traveling Light. I've referenced it previously in other messages in the past. It's primarily a commentary, an extended commentary and, uh, and uh, essay writing about the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the early churches that were in the region of Galatia. But it's a, a, a wonderful resource for beyond just that as well. In it, he talks about love, and particularly love in community, which is really what the Bible is all about. You know, I was talking about Leviticus and Numbers, those books that can sound dry and dreary, but they're about love, love in a community. And <laughs> despite the old movie that really dates me now when I reference it, that love means never having to say you're sorry, right, according to Ryan O'Neill and, and uh, Ally McGraw, apparently, Actually, love has lots of obligations written into it, crafted into it. Um, I think much more than saying love never, means never having to say you're sorry, love means often having to say you're sorry. But love also means being willing and ready to receive that from others. 
and to forgive people even when they don't say that they're sorry. But love is something more than what we think of it as in our worldly mind, in our fleshly mind. So I want to invite you to expand your awareness of what love is. And maybe Eugene's Peterson, Eugene Peterson's words can help us with that. Speaking of words, what he says in his book, Traveling Light, is that love is more than just a word. It's not a word that merely describes my feelings, an emotional landscape. That's probably where love lives for most people in the modern era. But Eugene Peterson says, and the word says, and the Lord says, love is more than just that. It's not a technique by which I fulfill my needs. Hello, manipulation. (laughs) A lot of people, when they are engaged in what they would call love, are really engaged in something that is more about greed, trying to get for themselves what they want from the people and the circumstances of their life. That ain't love. And it's not primarily an ideal either, some abstract and pure concept on which I discourse and meditate. It's all well and good to do that, but love is more than just that. It is fundamentally, I add, acting in correspondence with or in response to God in relation to persons. That may sound arcane. In other words, it may sound like an abstraction, but think about it in purely practical terms. What love really is, is this activated verb of a thing that is operating like an engine in you that is either in concert with God or in response to God. In other words, love starts with God. We love because he first loved us. And he so loved us that he came to us, revealed himself to us, saved us out of all the unlove that our sin is. And now if you and I are followers of him, if we're among the redeemed, we are meant to be lovers of humanity. That doesn't mean we love everything that humanity does. It means that we love what humanity is and is meant to be in God, that we see in people the image of God because they are made in his image, just like you and I are, and we recognize in them the potential and the purpose that Christ has awakened us to. The the purpose of living for God. So God initiates love in our life. He sparks it, he ignites it, and he guides it. And he's actively showing love, not only to us, but through us. So if you're a follower of his, this is the question. Do you know the love of God? Now, sometimes we feel it and sometimes we don't. But knowing it is something more than just what you feel. And yet, we can map it out according to the logistics of the word, the logistics of the logos, if you will, a fancy way of saying that the scripture provides us with distinct definitions of how and why God loves us. But if, on the one hand, we're talking about emotion and saying sometimes we feel it and sometimes we don't, on the other hand, we can talk about intellect and say we may understand it or we may not, because there are aspects of God's love that go beyond our understanding. So it's good to feel it, but you're not always going to feel it. And you can know it, but you're not always going to understand it. But it's always there. He is always there. He is present, and his presence is love. Now, you can reject it. You can reject his love. You can reject his presence. 
You can't erase his presence. You can't erase his love. But you can race in the opposite direction away from it. And what he is calling you and I to do is to race towards him and for him into his love, into its goals and purposes. I want to bring your attention to several uh, passages in the scripture that really proclaim the patience of God's love as a reflection of his presence. In other words, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, the presence of the Lord is. And where the presence of the Lord is, the glory of the Lord is. And the glory of the Lord is his love. And his love is patient and persistent and persevering. So I've strung a lot of ideas together there. Are you tracking with me? Are you keeping the chains in the link together? I want you to. Because when we're talking about patience, we're not just talking about an abstract, arcane element of God's love and purpose that we can say, I can take it or leave it. It's part of the recipe of God's purposefulness in our life. You can't, I, I said last week, and I believe the Lord was in this, that patience is a prerequisite of peace. Well, let me tell you this. Patience is, is a participle of love. I don't even know if that's grammatically correct. I'll have to look that up later. Sometimes the spirit anoints, and sometimes Courtney just gets a little ahead of himself. But I want to say that I think that that's probably true. In other words, in the grammar of love, patience is an absolutely essential element of the vocabulary. Patience is a word and an idea that you need if you're going to experience love. Show it and grow in it. And God wants you to. So patience is part of love or it's a way of describing love. And all of that is a way of describing God's presence. Now next week, God willing, you know, I'm, I have to sort of, as James says, you know, don't say things presuming that you know what's coming next. I thought Pastor Hinge was going to be in the pulpit today, and it turns out that he's not able to. But, you know, he and I both trust that the Lord has his purposes in that. The plan is that next week, my better half, my beloved, Pastora Hazel, my wife, will be here in the pulpit preaching on the patience of prayer. And I believe she's really a great person to do that. Um, and she is going to be preaching out of Philippians 4, among other passages. But I want to sort of pave the way this week uh, because, interestingly enough, in this wonderful passage on prayer and trust in the Lord that has a lot of patience baked into it, you also see that the presence of the Lord is where that patience comes from. In other words, if you're lacking patience in your life, and I often do, if you're lacking love in your life, you may feel unloved, you may feel unloving, you may feel like, I don't know how to love, then what you're really lacking is the Lord. And if you know the Lord, it means that you're lacking the fullness of what he wants to deposit in you. There is more of him available for you than you and I have probably yet realized in our lives. And in these days, it's a time in which you and I would be wise to really let the fullness of the Lord shine through us. And I think that's what a year of patience is about in part, is letting all of God shine through you. Paul puts it this way when he's writing to the Philippian believers of the early church. Let your gentleness, it's a word that in the Greek could be defined or, or translated as let your reasonableness or your fairness. And it's not uh, a stretch to say it could be translated as patience. Let your patience be known to all people. In other words, 
Let everyone see what a patient person you are. Not by trying to put on an act of patience, by letting the love of the Lord show. Now, if the Lord's not there, then how would you have his love? And how would you have his patience? But if you show his patience, you're doing so, you are showing that God is at hand. When Jesus spoke and taught in his earthly life and ministry, he frequently made the statement that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near or here. The, the, the Greek phrase that gets utilized in the, in the original text and is at work here, even in this passage in Philippians 4, is like the, 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 the Lord is right here, right at hand, right by your side. So there's a variety of ways that I think we can think about this and we should think about this. One is God's right here and he's watching. If you're impatient, God sees it. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I will raise my hand and say, I've been embarrassingly impatient in the presence of God. Now, I've been embarrassingly impatient in the presence of other people, but I can say, well, they're, they're not patient either, but I can't say that about God. God has been extraordinarily patient with me, and I've been extraordinarily impatient with him, with me, with other people. It's the nature of the flesh to be impatient. It is the nature of God to be patient. So when patience is showing up in you, it's showing that God is right there with you. But the other idea that, God, that, that Paul is advancing in this statement is not only that God is right here, but that God is also coming. God is coming back. In other words, there's a warning here, which is don't behave... Like, like God's not watching, and don't think that God's not coming. Jesus is coming back, and when he comes back, he's looking for love, and the kind of love he's looking for is patient love. So if you're impatient, you're not ready for him coming back, and he's coming back. So let your patience show people that you know that he's here right now and that he's coming soon. Well, you say, those two things can't go together. They can when it's God, because he's here in the Spirit but he is coming in person. He's coming. And he's looking for love, for righteousness, for patience. And he'll put it in you if you desire it. And if you don't desire it, then stop feeding on the other stuff that you're feeding on that satisfies you and get hungry for God. That's why we're going to fast. Get hungry for God's patience because God is coming. In a couple of weeks... Our dear Pastora Vanita, God willing, is going to preach on the patience of prophecy. Never forget, God's not slow when it comes to fulfilling his promises. It may look slow to us, but it isn't slow. And when he has said something, he will fulfill it. And often what happens is he fills it and fulfills it before people realize it. So now is the time to recognize God is with us, Emmanuel, and God is working. So let his work be in you. He's calling you. To, to live according to his ways. And he's coming to make a judgment about that. Now, you and I cannot live worthy of that calling on our own. We can only do it in the spirit. But in the spirit, every resource we need. My God shall supply all your needs. That's not just paying your bills. That's providing you patience. It's providing you love. It's equipping you to forgive. That's even more important than paying off your electric bill or your car payment. Although he, he helps with those things too. God provides everything. But he does so not just because he's some 
generous but doddering old uncle, but because he's a father who has a purpose in you. He wants his patient love to prove in you the kindness and forgiveness that demonstrates who he is. 1 Corinthians 13 is all about the reality of God and his presence. If we do all these other religious things and, 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 and lift up religious words, but we don't have love and the patience that it provides, then we really don't know the Lord. If we have within our midst disunity and discord, if we lack peace as the people of God, then how can we expect people who don't follow the Lord and don't know him to be persuaded that he's the way to go? How are you and I going to bring more people into this congregation if we can't get along with the people that are already in it? You want it to grow? How about getting along with the ones that are here now? And if you're not here, how can we get along with you if we can't see you? I'm not critiquing anybody for being online because online is part of the congregation. But I am saying we need to be close and real close if we're going to be a real family that really demonstrates the unity and peace that comes from the patient love of the Lord. And that's important if we are going to persevere. Because make no mistake, the challenges mount up in the world, you will have troubles. It's not going to be easy to live God's way. Why would you and I ever expect it to be? Christ went to the cross. Are we better than him? So why would we expect that we would not face commensurate challenge. But what he has said is, in me, I will equip you for that challenge. Not only to face it, but to overcome it and to persevere in God's purpose. But you will need patience. Patience is a prerequisite of perseverance. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. It's one of the most famous chapters in the Bible, the so-called love chapter, because after Paul has described the variety of spiritual gifts and the way in which in the body of Christ these gifts incredibly equip each other to, to, to foster unity and, and, and uh, empowerment in the body of Christ, Paul says, but let, let's make something very, very clear here. You can have people speak in tongues. You can have people declaring prophecies. You can have people accomplishing miracles and healings. But if there isn't the root and source of that, if it isn't ultimately an act of love, an expression of love, then it's nothing. Love is everything in the economy of God. It, it actually resources everything. It paves the way and pays the price for everything else. And when Paul comes to speak about what love is, what it's like, he starts by saying it is patient. It's not in a rush. And it's not willing to move on from the focus of love without expressing the purpose of love, kindness. It's not jealous. It's not boastful and bragging. It's not arrogant and proud. It doesn't act in a way that is inconsistent with love and the ways of God. It's not selfish. It's not trying to achieve its own ends and aims. It's not easily offended. It's not easily provoked. It doesn't make a long list of you did this wrong and you did this wrong and then you did this wrong. It doesn't look at other people doing wrong and saying, ha, 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 I told you so. 
I knew that was going to happen. Look at you. You deserve what you got. That's not love. So that means that's not God. It's not righteousness either. It's right that God reckons with the reality of what people do, but he does so in a loving way. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness because God doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness. It rejoices in truth because God is truth. Love bears all things. That's how strong it is that it can carry that weight. Believes all things. That's how faithful love is because it sees the truth. Hopes all things because the truth is good news, is hopeful, is full of the prophetic promise of God endures all things, able to sustain, able to keep going. Do you feel like, I'm just tired. I can't keep going in my marriage. I can't keep going with this child of mine that's going, driving me crazy. I can't take another day with this boss or this employee or this teacher or this project or this goal to get this degree or accomplish this project at work or whatever the thing is in your life that you are finding yourself just growing weaker and weaker and you think, I can't get to the finish line. You know what you need? You need love and the patience that love provides. You need the Lord because God covers those things. He comes with his presence. You see how his presence brings the present of patience and love and the power to endure. And it is a promise and a present that never fails, never is incomplete. Love that is patient will be kind and forgiving. That means that patient love is selfless. I almost said selfish. Nope, the opposite. Selfless. Seeking the benefit of others rather than our own benefit. You don't need to seek your own benefit. You know why? Because God who loves you and is patient with you has already provided everything you need for your benefit. Your benefit is secured in him. So now, don't be worried about trying to secure your own needs, but instead, look to the needs of others. Patient love is kind, demonstrating all the attributes of God's kind of kindness. Bearing with wrongs against oneself, renouncing injustice, refusing to enter into that kind of injustice, even if others have shown it to you. And that becomes a witness. People mistreat you, but you refuse to mistreat them. How many of us actually do that? I fail in that over and over, but it's something that God can produce in us as we open to his patient love. And in doing so, we become a witness, declaring the truth of who the Lord is, and we become empowered to defend those who are most in need of his love, most in need of his defense. And it's really important to remember that patient love forgives. No love that fails to forgive can really be God kind of love. And any love that isn't God kind of love isn't really love at all. So if love is real, it forgives. Now, you and I could look at it this way and say, that means that we are obligated to forgive the wrongs that people do against us. And I think as believers and followers of Christ, that's not inappropriate to say. But if you're doing it out of obligation, you're missing the essence of the love and the patience that God wants to show to you, which is that patient love actually desires to forgive. That's a supernatural transformation. It only comes from God, but God will give it to each one of us. And in doing so, 
he'll enable us to bear with one another because we all have a lot of failings. I have a lot of failings. A lot. We don't have enough time for me to list all my failings. There are too many. But you, you know plenty of them. I'm not saying it doesn't matter because of love. I'm saying love is able to bear with them. You have a few failings too. I'm not naming any names. I'm just saying patient love keeps us together in God. Patience of love is selfless, kind, and forgiving. Ephesians 4, Paul once again writing to the church as he did to the churches in Philippi, as he did to the church in Corinth. Now he's writing to the early church in Ephesus. They're all people just like us. And you can see it by the fact of how he writes to them. And remember that the Holy Spirit is inspiring all of this. So it's not just for them, it's for you and me. And here Paul says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. He's writing at a time when he's been put in jail. He's shown patient love and forgiveness and demonstrated the presence of God in his world. And the result of it is he's been put in jail. And Paul is not impatient about it. He is patiently in his cell saying, I implore you, Mangakapatid, brothers and sisters, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called in Christ. Which means to walk with humility and gentleness. And here Paul makes it explicit that these aspects of humility and gentleness are really part and parcel of patience. And through that patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, you will be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's a powerful bond. It's, it's like in chemistry when you talk about chemical bonds. Here is a bond that can't be broken. The bond of peace, the bond of patient love. Patient love recognizes that we have a calling in Christ and it recognizes what it is. In other words, patience is a predicate of understanding purpose. And, and it actually affords us that comprehension. We recognize what our calling in Christ is, and patience facilitates our capacity to walk in it in a loving way, no matter what the present hardships that we face are, because we will face present hardships. And the way that we will respond to that, if we have the patient love of the Lord in our lives, is that we will be humble, gentle, and tolerant. And if we're not seeing that, and some of us can say, I don't see that, then the solution to that is not to try and cook it up and gin it up, but instead to come to God. To come to Christ and say, I don't have the humility. I don't have the gentleness. I don't have the tolerance. I don't have the forgiveness that I should. Will you show me how to receive that? Will you help me to enter into that? Will you enable me to express it? And he will. Those prayers are not unanswered. Now, it may take time. Patience will enable you to persevere in that prayer over time. Patient love diligently pursues the purpose of God, which includes primarily unity among God's people. He didn't save us to be a rabble uh, crowd that, that uh, is constantly fighting with one another. He didn't save us to live according to fleshly perspectives that are prone to selfishness and people-pleasing, two sides of one coin. You're trying to make things good for yourself, either by getting everything you want or giving other people everything they want. Those are two ways of trying to get what you want. I'm going to get everything I can and I don't, I don't give a heck about anybody else. Or I've got to do everything that everybody wants because I just want peace. But you're not going to find it in either of those ways. Because both of those are fleshly ways. But instead, there is the Holy Spirit's wisdom 
There is the love of the Lord with patience and forgiveness that forms the firm, the steadfast bond of unity in peace. Patience of love perceives our calling. Our calling is to unity in Christ. And it perceives our promise. The promise in Christ is we will have peace, wholeness, sureness, confidence, purpose. It's the closing point. Patient love enables us to persevere in God's purpose. In a couple of weeks, uh, Pastor Benita is going to be bringing a message on the patience of prophecy that is primarily focused on 2 Peter 3. But here, in an earlier letter of the Apostle Peter to the church, the early church, in 1 Peter 4, he writes about the attitude that is in Christ that is intended to be in us. It's something that Paul also says. Let the same spirit or attitude that is in Christ of humility and unity and patience be in you. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Peter is saying, if you're suffering for your faith, and even if it comes to physical suffering, if you feel tired, weary, discouraged, or you're literally facing opposition, you're beaten and bruised and imprisoned, then you know what? Don't worry so much about that because at least it shows that you're not living for the body of yourself. You're not living for your own selfish, fleshly uh, desires or needs, but you're done with all of that because you know that there's a higher purpose in Christ. And if you have that awareness in your spirit, then as a result, you don't live the rest of your earthly life for evil human desires, which is what everyone will live for without Christ. Instead, you'll live You'll live for the will or the purpose of God. You've spent enough time in the past living according to the flesh and all of its appetites like the pagan people of the world do. Haven't you? How much satisfaction could any of that ever bring? All that selfishness, did it really satisfy Every element of the things that pleased the flesh, did they really please your soul? So enough with all of that, especially because the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. The end of all things is near. Now, if it's thousands of years away for the world, and it may very well be, but it could only be a matter of minutes, I don't know, I can say this to you. Any human life, is already near the end, even when it begins. Because the span of any human life, as long as it may be, is but a breath in the face of God. Grass that springs up on the hill and withers away. Life is short, friends. Don't live it focused on foolish things, but live it with an alert and sober spirit, aware that it's prayer, love, and patience, hope, and faith that really sustain, that really provide, that are of real value. And above all, Peter says, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love is medicine that heals the wounds of the body. Love is a vaccination that inoculates you against the disease of despair and discord and disunity and death. Offer hospitality to one another and don't do it grumblingly. 
Don't offer kindness with one hand, with the other hand behind your back going, <laughs> I saw a show. Okay, I'm not a big fan of, of reality shows, but I saw a show. I'm not going to be too specific about what it was. I guess I have to be kind of specific. I didn't think I was going to share this illustration. But this is kind of a good one. It's worth it. We're, you, you can stick with me for a few minutes, yes? So it's one of these shows. Somebody out there knows what it is. I don't know. We were traveling. I turned on the TV at the, at the hotel. I only say this because I really don't know how to reference the show other than this. It's about people that work on a boat or a yacht or something. And it's a reality show. And so on the yacht, we were into the middle of the show when I turned it on. And, and somehow I got pulled in. There's a lot of, uh, you know angst that goes on in these shows, right? People throw drinks in each other's face or whatever. So something had happened on the boat. These people charter a yacht and and the people who had chartered it had behaved badly. I don't know what was involved. I wouldn't be surprised if alcohol was involved because watching the rest of the show, that seemed to be (laughs) a common uh, trait. But in any case, they had behaved badly. And the captain was quite upset. And I was impressed, uh, in fact, that the captain really defended his crew. It was nice. He was like, my crew shouldn't be treated that way, and you need to apologize to them. And the person said, okay, this dude, he said, I'm going to go apologize. So he went to apologize to one of the women that was apparently present at the event. Now, I didn't see what happened, so I don't know what transpired. But she was ticked off about the way that they had been treated. And the guy readily said, we were really bad. I'm sorry, my friends and I, we, we apologize and we won't do that again. And I, I'm asking you to forgive us. And she said, you know what? I'm a person that believes that every day is a fresh new start. Uh, no worries. It's all forgotten. It's in the past. I appreciate your apology, but let's just move forward. And I thought, that's wonderful. That's great. I really admired that. Smash cut to... Her and her confessional. You know how they do, right? You, you get this, what we call B-roll. You get this footage of them interacting, and then later you get her in the booth speaking to the camera. And then she let off. They had to bleep a bunch of things out because she was like, I didn't believe a word of that beep, 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 and forget that. I, I'll never have to see him again. And I thought, forgive me, but what a phony. Oh, I, every day's a new start, but not really. It was just her job. Now, she seemed to think that the guy's apology was fake, and maybe it was. Maybe I'm naive. I thought it was real. I don't know. He didn't have a confessional booth, so I guess we'll never know. But I thought, for that statement, oh, yeah, it's all okay. But then, in her secret heart, none of it's okay. The Lord is at hand. I'm not trying to critique that woman or that guy because I've been as bad as either of them at any point. I just want to remind you, don't think that you can just say to people, it's okay and I forgive you if you're harboring the unforgiveness in your heart because it's your heart that God sees. It's your heart that God cares about. You say, well, I can't forgive like that. I can say the words and I can do the show, but in my heart is where I can't. Yes, that's why you need the Lord. There's plenty of people who will say, I forgave all of that and I let go of that. And the Lord will say, no, you didn't. Here it is. And let me tell you something. When you have to see it and look at it, have you ever had a surgery where something was removed and they showed you the specimen? It's not pretty. That was inside of you. And the Lord is going to say, look at this. What's inside of you is what you are. So let the Lord be inside of you. You know how beautiful the Lord is? You don't know. You can't imagine how beautiful. But when you see him, you'll be like him. And he'll say, this is what's inside of you. 
beauty beyond expression. It's not that you didn't have any sins. It's that the love of the Lord covered them. And the beauty of the Lord shines upon you. Use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Not to get a claim for yourself. Not to polish your halo. But to serve your fellow followers of Christ as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Patient love is willing to suffer for Christ because Christ has already suffered more for us than any of us will ever be able to suffer for him. You and I aren't trying to pay the price of what he did. He already paid it. What we are saying is because he loved us that much, we're willing to suffer whatever is necessary for us to suffer in order to belong to him and to live for his purposes instead of our fleshly purposes. And his purposes are that we be mature. We talked about that last week. That we be patient. It's God's purpose for you. And that we be persistent in prayer. You'll hear more about that next week. And also genuine in love. Not just the show of it, not just the word of it, but the reality of it inside of us. And particularly to fellow believers, because if you are not showing love to fellow believers, I guarantee you, you are not showing love to people in the world. So it's not that we aren't charged to show love to people in the world, but you should show love within the family of faith first and then let that love shine through you to people all around you. So serve in the spirit according to the gifts that God has given us. And he has given us love, patient love that equips us and enables us to persevere in his purpose. And his purpose is that we should know love and show love. That we should know love and show love. Real love, God love. And it's the most powerful thing in all creation. He wants you to have it. He wants you to wield it. He wants your life to be composed of it. The summary of today's message is, let God's presence in you and among us reveal his patient love to all people. Do you see that the absolute essential thing is God? Without God, we'd be without hope. We can't do any of this without him. He's the source of all of it, but he's here. He's at hand. So let your gentleness and your patience be shown to everyone because he desires that people would see him through you, through us. That's his purpose. God is with us, PCF, no matter what the COVID case rate is, no matter what's going on in your home, pipes burst, relationships burst, patience wears thin. Remember this, God is there, God can help. He is working, he is calling, and he is coming. So live ready to receive his coming. Live worthy of his calling, because you don't know when the doorbell rings on the soul in your life, right? So be ready at any time, at every time. It's always the time to live worthy of his call. And how can you do that? By letting his love live in you. And his love will look like this. It will be kind and forgiving. It will be uniting with people of like-minded purpose in his peace. And it will be equipping. You will receive empowerment to do the things he has called you to do. And what has he called you to do? To love one another. To pray without ceasing and to persevere living in the spirit and in the word to the end, no matter what comes. 
patient love of God will empower you to do it. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your patient love towards us. We know, Lord, that we would never know love at all if it were not for you, and we would neither know life without you. So, Lord, we cannot know patience without you, but in you, we can receive the patience that is empowered to persevere, that is equipped to forgive, that is enabled to unite, that genuinely and truly transforms us from the inside out. Lord, there are a lot of things that we are worried about and weary of, and there are many things, Lord, that if we would honestly look at, we would realize there's so much unforgiveness in us. There's so much unforgiveness that we experience or express towards others and that we fear and falter in within ourselves. In other words, things that we're angry with others about or so deeply wounded about or that we are so fearful of, people we've disappointed, people we've alienated. Maybe, Lord, for some of us today, it's you. We feel that you don't like us, that you look at us with displeasure, with frustration, with anger, maybe even with hatred, and certainly not with patience. Lord, I pray that you would break that lie right now because it's a lie of the enemy and it's a lie that is formed in the flesh. So I pray that you would break our flesh and break that lie and break the bonds of the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ and let people experience the light and the flow of your love that forgives and is all surpassingly patient, extraordinarily patient. And yet there is a timeline. There is an urgency in your heart that you would communicate to ours right now that says, don't be distant from me anymore, dear one. Come close to me, says Jesus to you today. Come close to me. Even if your sins are like scarlet, I will wash them white as snow. Even if you are frustrated and weary, I will give you rest and resource. Even if you feel hatred and anger, I will show you the path of peace and forgiveness. It's a blessing. It's a release. It's a key that unlocks you from the chains that have bound you. I'll show you how to forgive by showing you that you are forgiven already. And I'll show you your worthiness by showing you my own says the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll grant you patience by showing you my patience. I'll fill you with love by giving you my love. I'll show you your purpose when you can see mine. Friend, wherever you're at today, would you repeat this prayer with me? You may be someone who's followed the Lord a long time or it may be the first time, but it's a prayer that says, today, Lord Jesus, I'm coming again afresh and anew to you to ask for this. Repeat these words after me. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive my impatience. Forgive my unforgiveness. I believe you have forgiven this. I pray that you would show me the length and breadth, the height and depth, the fullness and totality of your patient, forgiving love. 
I want to be like you. I want to show patience to others. I don't want to give up in your good purposes. Give me the strength to go on, the faith to believe, and the patient love to show that I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. That prayer is answered. It's impossible to pray that sincerely and not have the Lord answer it sincerely. So believe it sincerely and walk in his patient love, showing love to others. We will be gathered together once again this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on Zoom in prayer. And next week, we'll be hearing about the patience of prayer that perseveres into all the powerful purposes of God. So don't miss being with us once again next Sunday at 10 a.m. And until that time, may the love of the Lord and his extraordinary patience not only fill you with hope, but also enable and equip you to show that love, that hope, and that light to a world in need around you in the name of our mighty Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you all.